Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Thunderous Applause, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, Spanning the Spurs, and the LA Hoops Pod. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Justin Gerstung and Coach Eric Klump. Coach Klumpy, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Before we get going, I just wanted to send out a shout-out slash celebration to my girlfriend Jackie. It's her birthday on Tuesday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Simply amazing. We talk on this show a lot about trusting God's plan and staying faithful in his plan. And, um, you know, she comes into my life and it's been such a blessing. And I truly appreciate her and uh, how God has cultivated our lives together as teammates. So, babe, love you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's a big one. That's a great celebration. For sure. How's, how's the uh, how's the rest of the week been? It's a couple of days been a couple of days since we talked. Yeah, you know, usually we tape on Sunday, so we're here on Thursday. Been been a little wild. Uh, we're here in Western New York, and we've seen some a t- uptick in COVID. So we're getting nervous. You know, you and I were talking off air about, hey, are we going to be able to to get um, basketball up and running? And so it's just a, a wait and see game. Can we get this under control? Um, so that's kind of what's been on my mind this week. What about you? Yeah, I. Uh, it's a little weird for us. We're taping in an afternoon setting here, a little bit different, trying to work with Coach Brooks, who will be joining us today. Um, and so it's been great. I mean, it, we're having a little bit of nice weather here in November, which is kind of uh, different for us. Sunshine and T-shirt and shorts in November, not usually the way Buffalo weather likes to operate but yeah we're in we're in good shape buffalo bills got a huge win on sunday against seattle and so uh i I think i'm doing pretty well in terms of sports and dealing with this anxiety about our season so yeah doing well yeah the buffalo bills that was that was a very big win they've had some um, nationally televised games lately and they didn't play so hot in those games and it makes you wonder um was josh allen hurt um was it the absence of John Brown that was slowing the offense down, but to see them come out at home, um, obviously with no fans there, but uh, Western New York all eyes on them, and against a, you know, what some would consider NFC favorite Seattle Seahawks, and uh, man, they they look like a, a very very good national football team. So we were always impressed. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what they do this weekend against the Cardinals. Another big one, yeah. Yeah, going against our guy, Coach Hoags. That's right. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. Um, Let's get into it. Some coaching nuggets 
Um, we've been trying to try out some new words of wisdom for coaches that listen. We often share the ideas and the journey of other coaches, but we thought we'd start interjecting some of ours. You got a little nugget for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. And this is something that I fell victim to early on in my career. So I, I just want to encourage all those young coaches out there that keep it simple. Simplicity is king. Allow them to play. What are your two things offensively and what are your two things defensively that you want your team to be great at? Because if you choose to be great at five, six, seven, or eight different things, you're not going to be great at any of them. And I I constantly ask our players, what's our best pitch? Because they need to know. They need to know what our best pitch is. They need to have faith in it. And they need to be able to move on their feet and be fast on their feet without trying to contemplate what they're trying to do out there. So keep it simple, coaches. Oh, that's such a great nugget. Such a great nugget. I think I'm going to add to that. We try uh, more of a transformational coaches side for younger coaches. Um, I know I've definitely fallen victim, like you just said, with yours to mine, which is a lead them up philosophy or activity, which is say your goodbyes, which the activity from lead them up just is all about the opportunity to say thanks to your players um, and to your teammates if you're doing it with your team and to try to just find joy in bonds that you share. Because during this time of COVID, we've really experienced a loss of seasons and a loss of opportunities for some of our athletes. And I think sometimes what's missing in there is the opportunity to say thank you or the opportunity to share some words of encouragement. And you never know when it's necessarily going to end. Right, live in the moment. Yeah, and live in the moment. And I think as a younger coach, I probably did not do – Um, as well with this as I should have or could have. We had some great teams and some great bonding. But I think as you get older and you reflect on life a little bit, you start to realize that those moments are very special. And if you don't take a moment to just acknowledge it, say thank you, um, then you miss out on an opportunity to really um, be transformational and connect with athletes and teammates. So say your goodbyes is the name of the leadership activity from lead them up. Uh, but that's my little coaching nugget. Just if you have a word of encouragement or a word of appreciation, don't, don't hesitate, just say it because if nothing else, it's going to make somebody else's day a little bit better. So super Those excited. Are the moments they remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about uh, a verse? You want to get into this so we can get on yeah. with Coach Brooks? Yeah, let's, let's take move a look. on to the verse. So, so I went to um, Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, Paul emphasized that it is God's will to do so. Regardless of how difficult our circumstances may be, we can find reasons to give thanks for God, right? For nothing can separate us from God's love. And I was just feeling that on my heart with everything going on. So we can find circumstances, um, you know, in the darkness, you know, because when the darkness starts, stars can shine. And, you know, we just got to give thanks no matter what's going on in our lives that he's always present. Yeah, I like that. I like that um, verse. We just had this conversation, my daughter Emma and I, within the last week about, you know, potentially losing friendships, gaining friendships, 
um, her sports ending, her sports not being played potentially coming mm-hmm. up this winter. And in all of those situations, there's a purpose, there's a plan. And we don't necessarily always see it in the moment, um, but it ultimately with the right approach will work itself out. And so that's a such a great one to share, especially as you and I sit here in our preseason, we should be practicing right now. And instead yeah. we're you know, still wondering what our schedule, if we're even going to have one, is going to look like. So that's that's a that's a very good verse for us today. I think we might even be able to connect that with coach, with our guest today, Coach J.C. Brooks. Um, she is the head women's coach at Cortland State. Red Dragons. And, yeah, Red Dragons. And they had their season canceled as well. So I'm very interested to see what her take on this whole situation has been and how she's connecting with her athletes. And so I'm ready to talk. What about you, coach? For sure. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. We'll be back after the break. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, guys, welcome back to the Beyond the Ball podcast. We're joined on this episode by Coach J.C. Brooks from Cortland's Women's Basketball Program. Coach, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great here. Good, good. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, as a Red Dragon alum myself, I'm super excited to um, see all the success that we're having in um, the basketball realm in in central New York at uh, C-State. So uh, just how did we land at uh, Cortland State? Oh, gosh. Um, So uh, probably it was two and a half years ago. um, I was out at Bowling Green out in Ohio I'd spent five years out there um, as a as a, an assistant and uh, spent a total of 11 years as a Division One assistant. And I feel after a while as an assistant coach, you start to get a little itch to, um, you know, become a head coach. And, you know, you want to kind of call, this, call the shots. And, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff at Bowling Green, um, our head coach, she had gotten bought out of her contract in March. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Was I going to stay at the Division One level and and you know stay as an assistant coach or um, become my become a head coach? Um, and that was kind of my calling. And uh, so the next couple of months, I you know kind of looked into different jobs, some as a Division One assistant, some D three head jobs. And when I saw the Cortland you know state head job open up, I knew that was where I wanted to be. Um, so I quickly ab- applied for the job and. Um, before you knew it, I was on campus and, uh, you know, here I am. But it was as a alum of Buff State and 
a fellow member, you know, in the SUNYAC conference, I remember going to Cortland many years um, and getting my butts kicked. Uh, so I knew what Cortland Athletics was about. And uh, so when I got the opportunity, when our athletic director, Mike Ertz, called and offered me the position, I knew it was a no-brainer, you know, what Cortland State stands for. I knew it's something that I wanted to be a part of, especially as my as a first-time head coach. Now, walking around campus, and I know what the facilities hold there, it is, it, it does take you back. You like look around and you're very impressed with what's going on at, a, at the Division three level with their facilities. It was at the same, um, same did you do experience the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when, you, when you're on the opposing team, like Buff State, the only places that you're going is the gym. You know, the bus drops you off to the gym, you go in, you play the game, and you go home. Uh, but when I came on my interview and I walked around campus, uh, I quickly realized, like, wow, I would love to recruit to a place like this. You know, and not just the athletic facilities, but are the academic side of things. And it's a, it's a close-knit campus. You know, I think it's like a, a dream for a, a kid who loves sports, you know, um, to come to a place like Cortland and, you know, be able to have an impact with, within the athletic department and the act- academic side of things. So, JC, when you're recruiting to Cortland, a um, couple of questions about recruiting here. First one, do you, and we know that Cortland State has such a great program for physical education, uh, Coach Klump obviously being an alumni of there. But I completely know so agree many, with that statement. There's so many, but there's so many people in Western New York and Central New York that have, you know, gone to Cortland State to, to pursue physical education. Do you think that's something that, your athletes are into or are they pretty diversified with what they're looking to study at Cortland? Um, you know, I would say right now it's about half and half of just half being education and half being other things of, you know, maybe criminal justice or psychology. But I do have about half in the education, um, probably a quarter of it phys ed. And, you know, it's interesting because I think there, you know, phys ed used to be very, very popular, popular. And then there became like a lull where there just wasn't jobs open in the phys ed yeah. field, you know. Um, but now I think that's starting to open back up and it's becoming more and more popular. We are also fortunate with just our regular education program, you know, elementary education, adolescent education, special education, and then also sport management. Um, so those are some also, you know, really popular majors that our, our kids love. But when I bring a recruit to campus – you know, I talk about if you love sports, you're going to love Cortland, you know, because it's not just about, you know, the NCAA sports like intramurals are huge. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, as a student, you Mm -hmm. can go to any game and watch. You have a chance to watch one of the top teams in the country being Cortland, you know, participate and compete. Um, So, you know, I always tell my recruits, if you love sports, you're going to love Cortland. Yeah, that's so great. And so let's get into those recruits a little bit. What are you looking for? When you're recruiting, we've had a bunch of coaches on and all with different philosophies. So at the D3 level, maybe a little different than D1, I would assume. Are you looking for best player? Are you looking for best fit to your system? What kind of approach do you take if someone's listening that maybe wants to play basketball at Cortland State? I think the biggest thing when I look for when I first watch a kid is, number one, do they play hard? Right? Do they do everything at a at a hard, high tempo? Um, because anybody that, that plays hard, they're able to cover up their mistakes. You know, you can have the most skilled person and when they make a mistake and if they're, you know, dogging it or or you know, going half speed, it's hard for them to make up for those mistakes. Um, so the biggest thing is do you go hard? Do you play hard? Do you give one hundred percent effort at all times? 
Um, and then the second thing, once I identify if a player does that, is just to get to know them as a person. Are they a good person? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a young head coach. Maybe some would say old. I don't know. But, um, you know, I want to be around good people. And, you know, my team is like my family. Like, those girls are like my daughter, my nieces. And so I expect them to good, be good people and make the right decisions. So I spend a lot of time getting to know the recruits on a personal level. You know, their relationships with their parents, their relationships with their siblings, their relationships with their other teammates and coaches, because that's very, very important to me. Um, you know, if a, if a kid doesn't get along with their parents or if I have them on a visit and you know, they're, they're disrespectful. That's a big red flag to me, you mm -hmm. know, or I go watch them participate in a, in a, in a high school contest and, you know, they just don't get along with their teammates. That's another red flag. You know, I want somebody who is all in, um, you know, just, just a good person, a fun person to be around. Cause at the end of the day, you know, when we're spending so much time together, being a good person is, is very, very important. You know, Coach, one thing that um, struck a chord with me is the first thing that you said when you're out recruiting was, do, do they play hard? Now, I wanted to ask you, because there's a lot of literature out there and, and there's, there's uh, you know, coaches are always searching for, for the answer to this one, is when you're bringing, student, when you're bringing your student athletes in, basketball players, um, and, and they're not playing hard, do you think that's a skill that you can coach them up to do? Um, you know, to a certain extent. I, I do think it's something that you have within um, to have that drive uh, to want to be the best person out there, right? Um, but I do think different coaches can bring that out of players, you know? Um, but I do think there's a chord within where you want to be able to compete, you want to play hard, and no matter what the coach is, is their philosophy and how they coach you, you're going to have that, right? There's yeah. other kids who may not have that and like, Maybe I can bring it out a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but I love the kids who I I don't want to coach effort, and I tell my kids that I refuse to coach effort. Right? I that's an expectation. Like you come in here, you give me one hundred percent every day. Right? I'm going to teach you about basketball and the X's and O's and the reads and this and that, but I'm not coaching you to to go hard or or ask for more. Right? So um, you know, it, it's just something when I see a kid that does have that. 100% effort at all times, I know that's a kid that I can coach. Yeah, between the combination of them, A, loving the game, and then B, playing the game hard, it's just something that you, you want to coach, right? Absolutely. So, Coach, when you're building and, and figuring out what your game plan or your philosophy is going to be, um, you've obviously had a lot of factors go into how you want to play before we maybe get into that, what's in your time, we're talking about coaching your athletes. How do you or what do you maybe look for in a staff? Like, who are your assistant coaches? Are they people that you're just comfortable with? Are you actively searching out people with like a different skill set than you? How do you put together a staff? Um, you know, I think one of the one of the things when I first got the job at Cortland, um, one of my mentors, and it's kind of weird how he became my mentor. He was, he's the former ba the women's basketball coach at Buff State, um, but he actually recruited me to go to Buff State, but he never coached me. Um, he ended up leaving Buff State to go to Elizabeth City, and he is now at Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, Coach Fred Batchelor. And when I first got the job at Cortland, you know, we had kept in touch throughout the years, just seeing each other on the recruiting trail and stuff. He had called me and he said, JC, the, the most important job that you have right now is putting together your staff. 
you know? So I took that to heart and I, and I said, what, what's your advice? And he said, you need to hire somebody who knows you and you know them. And I said, okay. Cause obviously, you know, in the, in the coaching world, everybody's always trying to sell their GAs and their assistants. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want her? She's fantastic. So I really took what he said to heart. And, um, you know, one of my former players at Kenesha's college, her name is Allison Braun. Uh, she's from Erie, Pennsylvania originally. She had, we had kept in touch after she graduated and after I left Kenesha's back in 2013. And, um, she'd always had the desire to get into coaching, but she'd call me and say, coach, how do I get in? Like, what do I, what do I need to do to get into the coaching world? You know? And I would give her my, you know, my advice and, you know, we would talk about things. So when I got the job at Cortland, she was my first phone call. Um, mm-hmm. because Allison is, I mean, she was one of our hardest workers at, at Cortland. I knew she could lead by example on and off the floor. She's a fantastic person. Um, you know, and I just, I knew that's what, you know, she had the division one mentality and bringing that to the division three, I thought that would be a really, really, you know, great hire. Um, so I called her, she was my first phone call and I got her on board and, uh, she's been with me, you know, the, the first two years and she's been tremendous. Um, but I think it's very important that you do hire somebody that, that, you know, um, you know, just because loyalty is a huge thing in the coaching, right? Because we all have our different philosophies as a head coach, as an assistant. But when you have an assistant, no matter what, who's going to constantly back you, even mm-hmm. though maybe they they may differ in opinion, right? And um, I also don't, I always told Allison, like, I don't want a yes man person. Everything I suggest, I don't need her to say like, yeah, coach, that's a good idea. No, I need her to say, coach, what about this? You know, bring me different ideas because as a whole, that's going to make us better. You know, bring me a different perspective um, of what you're seeing on and off the floor. And uh, she has done just that. And it's created a really good dynamic. And I think it's, it's gone hand in hand with our success. Has there been a, a really tough uh, conversation between you and her where she's kind of like brought something new with the game of basketball to you? And you're like, man, I never really thought about it that way. And then you implemented it with your team and it's really made a big difference. Oh, absolutely. And Allison, you know, one thing that she does, she has a great pulse for the team, you know, personally. And, you know, I'll be going and, you know, hard on somebody in practice and I expect better and this and that. And she'll come to me and she'll be like, coach, she's okay. Like she, she has it, you know, and it, it's just a good, good temperament to have between the both of us. And even X's and O's, you know, at halftime, you know, I rely on her to say, Hey coach, I think this is, you know, this is an adjustment that we can make that's going to lead us to, to have success. And, you know, she's done a fantastic job with that. And, um, it's been, it's been really good to have her on board. Coach, that's, that's so great. I think coaching at the high school level is very comparable sometimes yeah. to coaching division three, where, you know, we don't always have the, the pick of the litter in terms of assistant coaches. And sometimes we're, we're taking, you know, almost anybody that's willing to come in and help out with the program. And I couldn't agree with you more that you just have to be able to trust that that person's going to be honest with you and um, work hard for you. But in terms of your philosophy and, and what you do bring to this table yourself in terms of philosophy, where did you build that philosophy? What are some of the experiences that, that really developed your, you know, insights for the game? Right. Um, you know, it, it's funny because everybody's like, oh, where did you get your philosophy from? And, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, assist three fantastic head coaches um, and Coach Crowley at St. Bonaventure, who is now at Providence College. 
um, you know, Terry Zay from Canisius and Jennifer Roos at Bowling Green. Um, and all of them taught me a little bit of everything, right? And in being able to, to work under them um, for at least, you know, three years a piece, um, you know, three at St. Bonaventure, three at Canisius and, and five at Bowling Green, I was able to take small things from everybody. You know, they, they taught me some things on this is what you need to do to be successful. And then on the flip side of it, you know, there's maybe some things where I thought like, oh no, I'm not going to take that as an assistant coach because I, or as a head coach, because mm-hmm. I didn't think it worked as an assistant, you know? Um, so I think it was a, it was a combination of all those years experience and, and all three of their head coaches. Um, but at the end of the day, I focus my, my program on three things. Um, and that's attitude, commitment, and class. You know, the attitude is we're going to approach everything with a positive attitude, you know, 100% of the time. Um, we have no room for negativity. Um, everything is very, very positive. Commitment. You know, we need, need commitment from all players, you know, in the, in the, during the season and the off season to be the best you can be. And that goes for staff members as well. Like we're all committed, um, to getting better, you know, watching film, um, to put our, our program in position to be successful. And then class. We always act in a classy manner. And I always tell myself, or I always tell the girls, I don't care if you're in the grocery store, if you're in the classroom, if you're in the dorm, you're going to represent yourself, Cortland women's basketball, your family, this program in a, in a well manner. And, um, you know, it's based off those three things. And I think it's, it's gone really well, just focusing on those three things. Um, but that's kind of what my, my philosophy is based on. So coach, I love, I mean, I think you're giving me goosebumps over here. You, you speak with so much conviction. Yeah. I felt um, the same way. It's Attitude, really, commitment class. Oh, it's just so great. I mean, I think if you were a recruit wanting to be part of a bigger program, you would definitely want to seriously consider Cortland. Is this the conviction you speak with though? I, I think is what intrigues me a little bit. Has coaching always been something that you've wanted to do? Because I think like, or at least I'm wondering, I guess, is does that confidence or that conviction has like it always been there? Is that something you've grown yourself into? I know as a younger coach, I was not necessarily, you know, maybe I was young and stupid because when I first got my first varsity job, I was only 25. And I came in there like I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And as you learn more, you maybe start to question some of the things you do. So is that conviction always been there? Um, You know, I... I'm not sure. I guess I'm all, I've always been a passionate person. Um, my older brother, he always has told me like, you should be a lawyer because if I believe something like there is no telling me that anything else, you know, so I'm always very passionate in whatever I, I believe in. Um, you know, in, in my coaching career, I'll kind of just give you a background of how I started coaching. And, um, you know, I was at Buff State. I ended up tearing my ACL the summer before my senior year. And I ended up redshirting that year. And uh, my head coach at the time, Coach Moss, he had told me, he's like, Coach, have you ever thought about coaching? Or he said, you know, JC, have you ever thought about coaching? And I said, oh, no, I don't want to coach. And I said, why do you say that? He's like, I just think, you know, you, the way you talk to your peers, uh, the way that you see the game, you know, your passion for the game, I think you'd be a great coach. And I was like, no, Coach, I I don't want to coach. You know, and that was kind of the end of the conversation. And then, um, you know, as time went on, I played my last year and I had gotten to know Coach Crowley at St. Bonaventure uh, because I, I finally made the team for the Empire State Games, uh, which I had gotten cut all through high school. So end up making the team um, that last year in college. And two weeks before the games, I, I end up tearing my ACL. But I kept in touch with Coach Crowley and uh, he had called me and said, 
JC, you know, we have this new position. It's a director of women's basketball operations. Um, you know, what do you think about it? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, come down, come to campus. Let's talk. And, uh, you know, so I went to campus and it was like, holy cow, like, you know, St. Bonaventure, Division One, Atlantic mm-hmm. 10, you know, here I play Division Three, And uh, we had, a, I had a great conversation with the staff and, you know, he had offered me the position. The only downfall, I guess, um, which I don't even know if it was a downfall because it did give me my start was it paid $5,000. And, uh, you know, I remember going home and telling my mom, like, oh my God, he offered me the job. It pays $5,000. And she looks at me and she says, how are you going to survive? You know? So, um, but I knew that if I wanted to get into coaching, that was my stepping stone. Mm-hmm. And I took it. I said, you know what? I can make ends, make, you know, ends meet, you know, if it, whatever. And I end up working at an insurance agency in the wee hours of the morning, just so I could make rent. I could make a car payment and I could live, um, and end up being the best decision I, I could, could make. So regarding that, you know, your question is, I, I know I have passion for anything I believe in. Um, so I would assume I had it from the start, but I don't know. I guess I'd have to ask Coach Crowley about that my first couple of years as Adobo. <laughs> Coach, um, it's just an amazing story. And we hear so many of these stories, so like starting out as Adobo. Um, just can you uh, explain to our listeners just what entails that position? So director of basketball operations is actually like a non-coaching position. So you're technically not allowed to coach any basketball. So Mm -hmm. you're doing, I say, like all the behind the scenes work, the office work, right? You're um, doing hotels for road trips. You're, you know, figuring out the meals, Um, you know, maybe on recruits, like you're figuring out the agendas, you know, Um, and in practice, I would sit there because you're still at practice. I was running the clock. Right. Um, and I was just like a sponge, you know, I would have my sheet of paper and I'd be writing down drills. I'd be listening to coach Crowley. And, um, you know, those first two years were so very important in my development. And, you know, I was really lucky because behind the scenes, coach Crowley really involved me as a coach. You know, I sat in on practice plans and scouts and, you know, I learned so much those two years. Um, but it's more or less the behind the scenes stuff. Like I said, you're, you know, when you're on road trips, you know, after the game, you're not going in the locker room. You're going to figure out whoever you order takeout from is the delivery guy there delivering stuff to the bus, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that all the orders are there for all the players and staff. Um, but now, you know, as when I became a Division One assistant, I didn't worry about that, you know. But now as a D3 head coach, you got to do all of it. You know, you're a head coach, you're an assistant coach, you're a dobo. Everything is kind of up to you as a as a head coach at this level. So it definitely taught me some very valuable experience. Um, but the time that I did spend, you know, in practices, I was I loved it. You know, I could just sit back and learn, and it definitely helped me, you know, develop the coach I am today. And when you're taking that position and, and being able to sit back and then and being in those meetings with Coach Crowley, what was uh anything specific that you could tell us where where you just sat back and you're like, wow, I had no idea how in depth maybe like the defensive coverage of a ball screen or the rotations on defense. What was the one thing where you like almost set you back like, oh my gosh, I never knew. 
I think it was like the scouting reports. Because at the Division three level, when I was at Buff State, and I've obviously changed my mentality, um, you know, where I give my kids at this level, they get a scouting report. We do a clip tape with personnel. And, you know, we do a lot. But I think it is because of my experience at the Division one level. But when mm-hmm. I played at Buff State, I remember we were going to a playoff game. And our the captain of the team at the time had given us like a little scouting report, basically of who was the best player, who was the best rebounder, and their favorite set. But there was nothing to the extent of, especially at the Division One level, um, you know, of scouting reports. You know, as a as an assistant, when I was at that level, you know, I would watch. I mean, probably seven to ten games of an opponent. I knew every set they ran, how many times they ran it, and um, you know, it's just not not that in depth at this level. But like I said, I've implemented. I think it's it's very important. Um, you know, to, to know, but not focus too much on your point opponent, because I am a big believer of do what you do, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're focusing on us and what we do well. Um, but there is, you know, something to be said about knowing, you know, what is their strategy? Who are their best players? What do we have to do in order to shut them down? So, but I would say the scouting was something that I was, you know, the most impressed with when I first got to St. Bonaventure. So Coach Brooks, what I'm hearing from you is you've been able to take some of your Division One experience to Division Three and kind of modify and adapt it a little bit. Would you agree with that? For sure, 100%. Yeah, so as I'm listening, so and here's something that I've always maybe contemplated from other coaches, and you've had experience at Division One and Division Three. So what do you think is the thing that you know, motivates people. Maybe you can rely, you kind of talked about this a little bit already with your own personal experience, the coach that's looking to climb the ladder and maybe get that next division one job, or if you're division two, jumping to division one versus taking that job like you did to be the head coach. Is it just about getting an opportunity to coach, be the head coach, or is there more involved in that, like socially or personally um, or professionally? What do you think? I just think, you know, so many, I feel so many young assistants when they get in the coaching field, they're, they're so focused on moving up the ladder and focused on their next job that they kind of lose sight of their current job, you know? And my thing is whatever job that you have, just do it really, really well and be the best, you know, the best assistant coach, the best dobo, whatever it is at that position at the time. Because if you're doing such a good job, they're going to come find you. And that's what I learned really early on because when I was at St. Bonaventure, you know, I was there for three years and I, I loved Bonas. Like that was my hometown, you know, I, I loved it. And then all of a sudden you get a call and it's like, Coach Zay, he wants me to come to Canisius. You know, he's going to offer me more money. I have a chance to get my master's degree, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go to Canisius. And then I'm, I'm working my tail off there you know, and networking and getting to know people, but I'm doing the best I can do at each position. And then all of a sudden Bowling Green calls, you know? So it's just like my biggest advice is don't worry about the next job. Just focus on your current job and being the best you can be in that position because it's going to come around. You know, if if you're networking and and you're, you know, you're having success, people are going to notice you, you know, and how do you carry yourself? Um, you know, and I, I just think if you do the right thing in your current position, the next job will come along. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. And I think, you know, coach and I know a a bunch of young coaches that are getting into the college coaching scene a little bit, both in basketball and in other sports. And I think that that for me, as I'm observing and just trying to mentor 
some of my former players in that field. It's kind of like, I think very what you say is so great because you do need to just do your best job, but it's also, I think, a little bit about how much you're willing to sacrifice. Would you agree? Like some coaches are ready to sacrifice everything just to, to move up. And it sounds like you kind of have found peace in maybe moving down mm-hmm. a level, but being really comfortable in your own situation. Right. I always said, you know, I, I've been very fortunate. Like I haven't worked a day in my life. You know, like this is, this is my lifestyle, you know? Um, and if you treat coaching like a job, it's never going to work out, you know? Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's the way you operate, you know, and you do, you have to sacrifice, but that's, I don't know if I've ever sacrificed because that's just what I, what I do, you know? Um, so I think that's also very important, but if you're just doing it for, you know, we all know we don't do it for the money. Um, <laughs> if you're just doing it because it's like, oh, it's it's an extra couple thousand at the high school level or whatever as, as a job, you're not going to have that success. Like, it's just you you love it. Um, and if you love it, you will do anything for it, essentially, you know. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, with your time at Bowling Green and then transferring over and accepting the job at Cortland State, um, moving from that assistance chair to the head coach's chair, um, for you, what was the biggest difference? Um, you know, probably because, well, as an assistant, right, you, um, you know, you have your, your opinions, right, where it's like, you know, you may see something in a game, so you may tell your head coach, hey, coach, I see this. You know, and they can either take it or leave it, right? And um, I was always told, you know, it's almost like it's the 80-20 rule. As an assistant coach, 80% of the time, the head coach is not going to take your advice. And 20% of the time, they will take your advice, right? But your job as an assistant is keep bringing things to the head coach and for them to make a decision. So mm-hmm. I would always bring different ideas, you know, to the head coach. And now on the flip side, I'm like, oh, now I'm the one making that decision, you know? Um, so it's like you've got to put a little extra thought in every decision that you make, um, whether it's X's and O's related, you know, during a game, during a timeout, if it's off the court, if it's how you handle a situation with a player, um, how you recruit, you know, you have that final say. Uh, so I feel like now as an, you know, as an assistant back then, it would just, I would have an idea and I would go with it. Right. But now mm-hmm. as a head coach, I get an idea and I really have to think it through to make sure it's the best, you know, kind of situation possible. I think coach, what I hear from you here is that as your leadership starts to increase or your level of influence, you have to be a little bit more aware of everybody's role in that decision and possible outcomes, right? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think is the head coach and Eric and I have experienced this as head boys coaches after being JV coaches, taking into account players, opinions, players, how they're going to receive it. Not necessarily what you say, but what they hear um, is so important. Communicating with the parents um, as well, you know, and something that as you know, getting ready for this conversation with you, I fell across was your award ceremony after the end of last season. I don't know. Do you know this is out on YouTube? Did you know that was? Yeah, I looked it up. I just was searching through some Cortland women's basketball stuff and your um, senior awards banquet online type thing is on there. And so I, and I don't mean to like put you on the spot, but I was just watching it for a little bit and I was just really impressed with 
um, a the fact that during this COVID time, you know, you guys went ahead and built something like that, and how well received um, it seemed like all your parents and your athletes um, were receiving that. I don't know if I'm being clear, but they they seem really bought in and connected. And so I just, what have you done other than that during this time, either at the end of last season with your season getting shortened or, or off season to stay in touch with your athletes during this time period? Um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, of relationships are so very, very important, you know, when you're trying to build a program, um, you know, so COVID made things pretty difficult, you know, cause I went, you know, we were fortunate actually, let me start with this where our season did come to an end in March. You know, we had a great run. We lost in the championship of the SUNYAC tournament, got an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, won a first-round game, and we ended up losing our second-round game to Tufts, um, and that ended up being on a Saturday. We came back home, and um, before you knew it, you know, I, I was going back out because I'm on the NCAA National Committee, and I'm a site coordinator. I fly out, like, that Wednesday or Thursday, and then – or, no, excuse me, Wednesday – because there's the the Sweet 16 games are, are Thursday, and all of a sudden the whole NCAA can't, is, is canceled, you know, and I fly back home, and I meet with my team Friday afternoon, and we're making a decision on what's going to happen. Are people going home? And then all of a sudden campus shuts down, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was a, a, re a real whirlwind, but I do, I appreciate that at least we had some closure. Obviously, we, you know, unfortunately had to end our season with a loss, which, um, you know, most teams do, unfortunately, except the national champions. But, uh, you know, my focus with COVID, it was just to, to be in touch with them, you know, making sure they're okay on a personal level, on an academic level, and then just basketball. And, uh, you know, when we had that banquet, it was just something that I have focused on, um, you know, within the, the first couple of years of getting here is during that awards banquet, I obviously honor our seniors, you know, what they've put into the program, um, you know, is something that I appreciate and something that I, why I became a division three head coach, you know, I, I was a division, division three athlete. And, um, you know, I just have a, a great appreciation for what D three athletes do day in and day out, you know, division one athletes, fantastic skill level, they get scholarships, but we don't get that at this level, but they still give everything to be a part of a team, to do whatever it is to be successful, you know? So to honor our seniors and what they've given up is really important. And the other thing that's really important in that banquet is I give out one award. You know, a lot of teams give out an MVP or offensive MVP, defensive MVP, coaches award, you know, where everybody essentially is getting some type of award. But mm -hmm. here at Cortland, I brought to the program, we give one award. Um, and that's the best teammate award. And all my players know that that's the only award we give. And at the end of the year, the, the girls vote on it. How many players I have, they're the one who vote how many people, you know, or vote who they feel is the best teammate. And they give me a reason why. And at the banquet, I read, A, who got nominations, right? Because I think it's important. If, if one of your, your teammates thought that you were worthy enough of that award, I think is very, very important. So I announced who got nominations and then I announced our final winner. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just amazing. Like our girls, they take so much pride into it. Cause I just, I'm a firm believer when you have a group full of young women or young men who all want to be the best teammate, you're going to have a lot of success. Right. And I'm getting that I'm building that right now. You know, I want to, in a couple of years where like, 
I have all the votes are just like everybody has one vote. You know, I want to be caught in that pickle because I think that things will be really, really good then. Um, so, you know, we did that banquet. And then from there, I would just try to keep in touch with them. We would have a weekly Zoom call. Some days it would be playing games. Some days it was just, you know, going around the circle and tell me one good thing that happened to you this week, you know. Um, but just kind of constantly having that communication. Um, and then when they all got to campus this fall, I think we were all excited to, to have the season. You know, we were all looking forward to October 15th. And then things started happening with COVID and, you know, we got shut down. Mm-hmm. And we, I, this semester, I never stepped on, flo- on the floor with my, with my players, um, which was, was really, really tough. You know, you figure, I know how it is, um, you know, from a mental standpoint. I love basketball so much. You know, if I have a bad day, I just want to go in the gym and get some shots up. I don't care if it's just myself, right? Just shooting, you know, you're in your zone. And my girls weren't able to do that. And so I focused a lot on their mental health, uh, just making sure they're doing okay and having weekly check-ins uh, to see what I could do, you know, as a, as a head coach of to make, to help them get through this time, um, you know, and just... Like I said, just trying to keep in touch. But it's hard because it's a fine line because I think some of my girls are, are zoomed out. You know, they're on virtual yeah. classes, you know, 10 times a week. And then here, coach wants to have a Zoom call, you know. So it's trying to find that balance. Um, but, you know, I do think I have a, a good enough relationship and a foundation with all my, with all my players that I, I feel good about that, you know, we're going to get through this and, and get through it even better than, than what we were going in um, because of their mentality. Coach, I wanted to rewind a little bit and ta- ask you about the best teammate award and just how things play out in practice when the whole team is just kind of bringing that energy, um, not only for just an award, just because to um, – lead each other um so my, my question is like is it does it do you find yourself on the sidelines smiling when when the your juniors and your seniors and your upperclassmen are bringing that energy and then all of a sudden the the, the switch goes and now everybody in the gym is bringing that energy yes 100 percent. i um i smile when i always i always you know joke with them and laugh like in when i go through pictures you know we have photographers at the games and like our bench is amazing, you know, because and the reason why is because they get more excited for their teammate to score than they do. You know, they could, they don't care. You know, it's like, oh my God, I got to open. Like they, they want their teammates to score more than they want to score, you know, because of that excitement. And, um, you know, I just, I look back at pictures sometimes and actually I have a, um, our former manager, I guess years ago, I, I gotten the pleasure to meet her and she does all this photography and she's putting me together a collage from our NCAA tournament. So she had me go through these pictures and like, it literally brought a tear to my eye, like seeing our bench where I have kids on my bench who have not have played very limited minutes. Right. But when their teammates score their excitement, their joy, their expression, like you would have think we just would have won the national championship, you know? And um, that stuff is contagious. You know, energy is contagious, both positive and negative. And that's why one of my philosophy, the positivity, right? You know, the Mm -hmm. attitude, the positive, like, that's why we focus on that, because positive energy is contagious, you know, so it's okay if if we if we miss a couple shots, right? We're still going to be there for each other and pick each other up. 
But when you start hitting shots and you see the bench, you guys know how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it keeps rolling. And um, my t- my kids take a lot of pride in, into it. Um, you know, even in practice, I get into it, right? If we're scrimmaging and I drop a play and somebody hits a shot or we hit a game winner, like I'm the one running around and chest yeah. bumping, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a great energy that we have. Um, you know, we, we didn't have that to start, but it's something that I have always believed in and I've learned to, to build here at Cortland. So coach, I love that the energy that you have to bring as, as the leader as well. So what do you do maybe off the court to keep yourself fresh, to keep yourself motivated and being able to bring that spirit and bring that enthusiasm? Is there something that you do either away from the court or something to kind of reset so you constantly have that energy? Um, or are you just all in like hoops all the time? Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. So my first two years, you know, as a head coach, I... I enjoy working out. Like, that's my thing. You know, I go to the gym, I run, whatever. I'm now into Peloton, love it, all that jazz. And, um, but like, during the season, I lose my workout because it's like, no, you don't have time to go to the gym because you could be watching film, you could be doing this, you could be doing that. So it's interesting. So last, during quarantine, I really focused on my physical and mental health and, um, Ever since April, I have been in a great zone. I like I've lost 25 pounds. I like feel great. And I was really looking into, you know, forward going into the season of like, I'm going to keep this going right where every day I'm going to get my workout in. Um, But unfortunately, I didn't have to do that. So as much as I want to say like, I go get my workout in, I haven't been able to do that yet during the season. Um, But you know, it's just like when I get home, I you know, I watch film, it doesn't, you know, of our opponents of us. Um, but during the season from October to March, it's a grind. Um, and it's, it's my life. It's every day, you know, so I wish I had something where it's like, this is what I do to restart. Um, but I don't know if I have anything specific. Yeah, you know what, I'm actually going to jump in. I think that's okay. I think everybody finds their own thing, right? I know Coach Klump is Love loves his gym time as well. And I, you know, it's difficult when you have a family too. I have four kids of my own. Everybody has to find their own rhythm, their own balance. I know I get a lot of, um, you know, maybe flack or weird looks from my kids when um, I'm just diving back in. Anytime a game is on, you know, you just watch it. That's like my happy place. So even though it's been a crazy day, I might still put hoops on because it's so calming. Um, but that's, that's, everybody's got their own personal thing. Right. Right. I mean, I I guess it would be one thing, you know, I, I enjoy drink. Yeah. I'd have a glass of wine watching film. You know, that's my, my time to kind of just, you know, but practice, it's just like, you know, you just get ready for it, you know, just as I would as a player, you know, you just get yourself mentally prepared, you know what you want to accomplish and you just do it. Coach, thank you so much for coming on. It's been wonderful. I've got like a list of things I've written down from our conversation here, and I want to thank you so much. So we're going to wind down with a couple questions for you. My first question is if um, you're up three, other team has the ball, clock's winding down, are you following them for the one-on-one? No. You're letting it play out. Yep. All right. Next thing, chicken wings. You like chicken wings? Oh, absolutely. I'm- All right. So are you grabbing the drums or are you grabbing a flat? Oh, I'm a drum girl. Okay. 
And I think ranch is probably assumed. Yeah. No, blue cheese. <laughs> I was trying to catch you. I was trying to catch you. Of course, blue cheese. Of course, blue cheese, right? We always have this conflict with, with Western New Yorkers that come on. It's always blue cheese. or And if people that aren't, it's always ranch for sure. So how I'm assuming because you are a Western New Yorker, you're a Bills fan then, right? Huge. I mean, how exciting was yesterday? Wow, yes. Yeah. I know. This is... Uh, what an amazing day. It's a good time to be alive. We see all these things running around the internet of like, what, how old were you or what were you, would you look like when the Bills last won? And um, I, I saw an interesting photo of Coach Klump actually earlier on social media um, from, from the, the days that we were in high school. Um, I can't, I, it's just amazing that it's been that long since the Bills have won. I was 11, 11. Yeah, I mean, so crazy. What do you think in terms of a prediction? Do we have one oh. for the Bills to finish out this season? You know, I it, it's going to be really interesting. I'm assuming I was watching Kansas City, so I'm assuming right. they end up winning. Yes, yes I, I think, think they did. They did yeah. Um, you know, I was hoping maybe we could get a little upset there, but um, you know, if we take care, obviously, you know, with the Patriots next week, it's just it's just such a huge rivalry. Like it doesn't matter who what anybody's record is at that point you know what i mean it's just always been a rivalry for us so hopefully we can take you know care of business but i am assuming that the pats you know they're going to be ready for for us considering what happened in the first meeting um you know in the dolphins it's going to be interesting and i mean how do you guys feel i love it what a great coaching response she just kind of diverts it and says one game at a time now we're focused one game at a time i love and it that, yeah and then she put it on us and then yeah. she threw it right back to us <laughs> but like with the with the dolphins right i mean we've already clinched right do we yeah. do we sit our our studs or do we play that game like we're we're winning it like i i I believe it'll all come down to matchups. If, if the coaching staff feels like they're locked into a three seed and they know a particular team is going to slide into the six or the five, you know, they might um, sit some people. But I think uh, th- this coaching staff is is all about putting their best foot forward each and every game. I think they're going to go after it. Okay. Which I, I hope, you know, I like I, I, I always tell my players, you know, like, you play to win. You don't right. play not to lose, right? right? You play to win. So I, I, I think it's very hard because watching the game yesterday, um, you know, they were all we were up so much, and Josh Allen is in there, right? And Stefan Diggs gets hurt at the end, and you're like, why are they not out? But I think Eric, you're so right. I mean, they just they just play it. Like you could get hurt walking down the street. You know, you could slip on ice. So. I just, uh, I, I am more for not taking any unnecessary risks, but I don't like losing, you know, tempo and that vibe. Like, I don't want them to sit a week and then have to come back and play two weeks later. So, because sometimes I, that's even harder, you know, when you do have to sit out, you know, as a player, I've been there and it's like, dang, I don't want to sit. You know, you're, yeah. you're in your rhythm, you're in your flow. So, oh, totally. I think you would totally, wouldn't you say that about your athletes too? Like, you would rather, I would rather as a coach, coach three games in a week. Right. And coach one game like every week. I would rather just keep it flowing for sure. One hundred percent. Especially at the high school level, people are like, are, "Are you are you scared that they're getting wound down?" I'm like, "No, they're high school kids." Right. You know, no. That's all they want to do is play. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just it's amazing though. Like as a Bills fan though, for so long, I'm like, it's just. It's unbelievable that we finally get this and it's during COVID. And I mean, fingers crossed, maybe Cuomo changes his tune and allows fans for that home playoff game. But I'm like, only us. It would only happen to us, like as Bills fans, yeah. you know. 
So you know what? I'm going to take it no matter what. I oh, absolutely. The Lakers are still counting that championship from the bubble, so we're going to count this one too. You know, I, I'm fine with it. I am fine with it. But yeah, I I hope. I mean, to win the whole AFC would be amazing and. But in the, if we if we can play, sorry to go on this tangent, but hey, we love it. If we can play like we all know how, like consistently, right? right. If we can put you know two halves together, like we are, we're a Super Bowl team. But it's just some of those we go through these lulls where you're like, what in the heck? You know, where we look terrible. Yeah. So if we can just get to where we can play consistently. You know, at that at that level, I think we can make a run. I really do. I do too. I think I saw a play yesterday where they um they put a tackle out into the route combination yeah. and they set a screen with Lee Smith. I was like watching a basketball game. Lee Lee Smith literally set a screen for the for the left tackle. And I'm like, this is the plays that they're diagramming up. This is gonna be so much fun. So Right. Yeah, but we just gotta gotta stay healthy, get through these last two, and for sure, you know, I just I love the mentality just of Josh Allen and the rest of the crew. You know, they have a chip on their shoulder, which is amazing. You know, and that's yeah. Talk about a team playing for each other. They're, I mean, you, you look at their locker room; they're playing for the coaches, they're playing for each other, having a snowball fight where their owners videotaping it. It's just great to see. You can tell that they have it's a it's a really good team dynamic. So. I'm hoping, uh, but yeah, last night it was, it was awesome. You know, it was, it was a great feeling. So. All right, coach. Well, Hey, we're going to wind it down. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate all the insights. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. Absolutely. See state go dragons. Okay. Thank you. Go bills. All right. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 